After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, there was a baby, a child born into the world, into a family who was very lost and afraid. It all began with a decision to live independently, to cut ties with their father, and to choose to be in competition and comparison with each other. It all resulted in a shattered dream, a broken home, a dysfunctional family, and a world dizzily spinning out of control. Generation after generation of this family stumbled and fumbled around trying to get back home. Over and over, they would take one brave and noble step forward only to get ahead of themselves and suddenly fall three steps back. Distractions plagued them. Detours were everywhere. More often than not, they found themselves running in circles as history repeated itself again and again. As hard as they tried, as much as they wanted to, they could never find their way home. <coughs> Eventually, the family forgot that they were a family. They forgot they were one. They forgot they were all connected to each other. That when they ached, they all hurt. Hurt in ways they didn't even know. In their pain, in their hunger that would not be satisfied, they became strangers and divorced themselves from each other. They pointed fingers. They drew lines. They built walls. They raised armies. They declared war on each other. Empires rose and empires fell. But there was never a king who could satisfy the hunger of the people, who could unite the fractured family, who could restore the peace and stability of the fallen creation. 
Beloved, this is our story. The story of us on our own. The story of our world before Christmas. Even though our family was divided, even though the world in which we existed was broken, the one thing that held us all together, the one thing that despite our differences we still had in common was the conviction that things were not the way they were supposed to be. That truth alone led many to believe that if there were questions, there had to be answers. That if things were all wrong, someone could make things right again. A great ruler, a messiah, a savior. Eventually, there arose some among our species who dedicated themselves to the task of finding such a king. History tells us that one such group of wise men was a tribe within a larger people called the Medes in the eastern part of the world. In their study of astrology and astronomy, these priests known as Magi were able to make predictions that were perceived as insights into the fabric, the unfolding of space and time. Night after night, these robed sages would look to the sky, record the movements of planets, the shapes of constellations, and would feel along the stars for a sign of divine guidance. Four world empires were built on the counsel and the authority of the Magi. So powerful, so influential were these wise men that it is recorded that no Persian was ever able to become king except under two conditions. First, he had to master the scientific and religious discipline of the Magi. And second, he had to be approved and crowned by the Magi. In short, these wise men were kingmakers. Once upon a time, 2,000 years ago, on a night like this one, as many slept, as others continued to look for answers, to search for the truth, to find salvation from within, far in the east, the Magi were craning their necks back, looking into the darkness, trying to read Braille in the sky. As they pressed their faces into the night, up into a sky of endless emptiness, Endlessly full, these wise men listened for a word of knowledge, a divine appointment. The Magi had been scanning those stellar dots that punctuate the heavens in hopes of finding a sign of the one who could be made king, for their ruler in the east had fallen from grace, and they did not believe in the everlasting power of Rome. And in the depths of that celestial ocean that is just above our heads even now, the black waters of space that hold ten times as many stars as grains of sand on all our world's shores and deserts. These magi witnessed a pattern as those stars aligned to point them towards the west. They did not find such a change in direction surprising. For in the ages past, the prophet Daniel had told them to expect such things. Without hesitation, they headed toward Jerusalem. With each night they journeyed, the dynamic nursery of newborn stars that blanketed their travels elevated a single celestial creation, a light that seemed to overtake the darkness before them. When the Magi arrived in the capital city, the site of a temple, a royal palace, and a ruler named Herod, they did not perceive that they had found what they were looking for. 
Their lone question to Herod expressed quite plainly their lack of recognition of his given title. After all, wasn't Herod deemed by Rome to be the king of the Jews? But no, these wise men did not bow before him. They did not offer gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to him. These wise men simply asked for directions and moved on from the halls of perceived power, moved on from the supposed throne of authority. Their royal procession, more than three camels, more like Persian steeds mounted with a thousand cavalrymen acting as their bodyguards, ended up in the inconspicuous backwater town known as Bethlehem. These magi, who had spent a lifetime looking up, followed a single star to the place where they could finally look down to see heaven on earth. And what did they see? What did they see as they looked into the gaze of that child named Jesus? Did they see in the face of that child the God who breathes the stars that they studied, who spoke into being the lone star that guided them all that way? Did they see in the gleam of that child's eye the God who gave up the heavens that they often looked up into, the millions upon millions of galaxies that are not large enough to contain him? Did they see in the reflection of that child's stare the God who confined himself to skin, who wore bones, who would become sin so that we might become righteousness? We do not know. We do not know what they saw, but we do know what they did. These wise men, these magi, these makers of kings bowed down before him. They came seeking to make a king and found themselves worshiping before the one who was already a king. They brought costly gifts intended to prove their worth and honor this child, but they would leave having received Treasures beyond their ability to earn. More than they could have ever imagined or asked for. Once upon a time, over 2,000 years ago, there was a baby. A child born into the world, into a family who was very lost and afraid. And even though that family was divided, even though the world in which it exists was broken, the one thing that held creation together was the conviction was that things were not the way they were supposed to be and that someone could fix it. Someone could make things right again. And these magi saw the dawning of that great light on those living in the land of darkness. These wise men witnessed, they worshipped a king who could satisfy the hunger of the people who could unite the fractured family of humanity, who could restore the peace and stability of a fallen creation. Beloved, this is the story of Christmas. This is how Christmas changes everything. Some say it is a legend. Others believe it is a fairy tale. More and more people are starting to think it's nothing more than a myth. Something reason reveals as superstition. Something progress has made unnecessary. Something wisdom will grow us out of. You might be along the lines of those who believe such things tonight. Yes, you are here. 
but not for reasons of faith. Yes, you are present, but you remain a skeptic, a doubter. Know that you are welcome here. And to you, I say most of all tonight, you are absolutely right in how you feel. Those around you who believe, those around you tonight who believe have forgotten. Or maybe they never really understood how completely irrational the Christmas story is. The proclamation of the angels that one who created this takes an interest in this tiny world, let alone any one of us, is beyond our imagination. It's beyond outrageous. In 1990, on Valentine's Day, Voyager 1, four billion miles away from the Earth, took a picture. And that blue speck is us. What is humanity? What is this planet in the vastness of the universe that God should be mindful of it, of us? It's laughable, really. Absolutely unlikely that the one who carved the edges of the cosmos, let alone designed the intricacy of a snowflake, curved himself into this. A fetal ball in the dark tethered to an umbilical cord, let his cells divide and confined his skin, himself to skin and bones. It's ridiculous. It's an impossible premise. Who could swallow such a story? The problem is that we who surround you have gotten so used to this story that we've convinced ourselves that the light that we point to at Christmas time has always been there, shining. We assume, therefore, that everyone's been looking for this light, that everyone can see it shining before them. But the Bible that we profess to read and live by says otherwise. Yes, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot comprehend it. And so tonight I ask you to forgive those of us whom you've encountered, who have been so excited about our belief in Jesus that we have presented his coming as something every reasonable person was waiting for. The truth is, again, from the Bible, that the word did indeed become flesh. The word did come to its own, but his own received him not. The truth is, no one wanted anything to do with Jesus, even his own people. Why should the times we live in be any different? There remains a huge gap between the creator and his creatures. More and more people are no more interested in having anything to do with this God now than people did back then. Among a people who acts as if God is dead, in a world in which the growing opinion is there is no God, if God did exist, the likelihood of God, this God having anything to do with us is ridiculous. Why bother? Why go where you aren't wanted? We ought to be shaking our heads at the story of Christmas because it simply shouldn't be. But what if it is? What if it's true? What if we can stare into the void and discover it's not empty? 
What if the cosmos are not silent, but they sing, and grace does indeed come down, and we find that we are not alone? What if this God, this mystery so large, really does come down to become a baby that is so small just so we can hold him in our hands and look into his eyes? What if this child grew up to give himself away? To make himself the bread of life that satisfies our greatest hunger, that took our pain of our suffering, bore the shame of our lives, became the very sin, the mistakes, the willful acts of deception, betrayal, and selfishness that we deny we're capable of. What if? What if God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? What if we could go home by another way? Maybe tonight you're here and you've been lost in wandering. A prodigal, just trying to find his way back. Maybe you're, you've always believed as you come here tonight, you were just fine. You're heading in the right direction. Maybe you've given up tonight and you've just decided to get used to the darkness. To convince yourself that things could be worse. Maybe you've come here tonight and you've stopped looking up into the sky and have decided there's no one up there anyway. That it's all just chance, it's all just random. That we're just here by accident. That the best we can hope for, and that's what Christmas is all about, is to eat, drink, and make merry. If that's you, any of those, if that's us, let me ask us this question. What's easier to believe? That the God who made this, galaxies that he can cradle in the palm of his hand, became this? That this same God would offer millions of people love like this, love given not to those who loved him first, love not given to those who could love him back, love not given to those who were rich, but to those who were poor, those who were bankrupt, love given to us, the very ones who nailed him up there in the first place, love that never dies, love that conquers death itself. Is it easier to believe that? Or is it easier to believe that this is all there is? That when it comes down to it, this is all we are. A plot in the ground and a few words on a tombstone. A fading memory among those we love that this is all life is. A bunch of questions that never get answered. Innumerable wrongs that never get righted. What's easier to believe? On this night of wishing and asking for what we might receive for Christmas, what do we want to believe? Which one are we hoping will be true? How many of us have already spent this season braving crowds, standing in long lines for the good deals, the best giveaways ever? Well, let us look no further tonight. Let us wait no further because we won't find a better bargain than what's lying in the manger. The line that reaches from a stable in Bethlehem to a cross on Calvary to an empty tomb on Sunday is long and it is painful. But at the end of the line is the best deal we are ever going to get. The greatest giveaway ever. Love come down 
Grace freely given, but not cheap. His life for our lives. An internal homecoming with a place at the table for everyone, even the prodigals, especially the prodigals. And it all begins with a God who is willing to become flesh, a baby who will be born so that death will finally and forever die. I don't know how you got here tonight, my friends. I don't know your story of how you got here, but I do know that you have now come to a fork in the road. We've all come to the fork in the road tonight. An invitation is before us. An opportunity to get home by another way is ours for the taking. Ordinary shepherds made that turn. They didn't. They couldn't just go back to work in their fields. They went home by another way glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, which was exactly as they had been told. The powerful magi rounded the corner of salvation as well, no longer looking to the stars to tell the future. Their travels were shaped by God-given dreams that led them home by another way, no longer seeking to make kings, but paying homage with their lives to the king of kings. We are invited tonight to go another way too. To remember more than the birth of a baby, but to discover the revelation of a way home. A way for the fairy tale to come true, for the impossible, the inconceivable to be real. Once upon a time, there was a baby. A child born into a world that was lost and afraid. He came to redeem the hopes of a family that was broken. He came to reconcile the failures of a people divorced from each other. He came to resurrect the dreams of a broken world dizzily spinning out of control. Beloved, Christmas changes everything. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is receive him in our hearts. All we have to do is receive and unwrap the gift of grace, the person of Jesus Christ. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Amen.